0: I hope you've been able to keep from falling, all that kind of stuff this week in the snow. <clears throat> I got to tell a little story on myself. On Monday, when we had we had had uh, oh, what is it, a foot of snow, and uh, they had not cleared the parking lot out here, and so I pulled in I got a little stuck out here here even though I have an all-wheel drive and uh, finally got through and uh, somebody had driven through with a little swatch and that was about it and the snow was piled a little higher where you know of course where the snow plow had come and so when I parked I thought well I'll just step over that into that little swatch and uh, and then walk into the office Well, I fell, I fell backwards. Now snow is soft, so it wasn't anything that I hurt. That was not the worst part. The worst part was I couldn't move because I was back, I couldn't get up, you know, and it was one of those kind of things where like, what do I do? And so I I finally, I I was able to roll over and uh, I threw all the stuff that I had in my hand over into the the cleared spot, and I rolled over and got up, and of course, the next thing you do after doing something like that (laughs) is you look around to make sure nobody's watching. Uh, So, and and I told Carolyn that, I think, and Carolyn said, we do have cameras, Jim. So that may show up one of these days. This is our preacher trying to get up. So anyway, I hope you haven't had that problem. I want to start today with a verse that we've read several times lately. And and it's one of those beautiful things about Scripture is you can look at a verse and look at a verse and look at a verse and and see just a variety of different things. I remember hearing Jim Bill McIntyre talking one time and saying, Uh, that the way he did his Bible study was he would read in the Bible until he came across something that he had never thought of before. And uh, I thought that was, I was a teenager when I heard him say that, and I thought that was kind of a cool kind of thing. Well, you remember last week we had a tent up here, and we talked about the tent being our body, and how it had no foundation, it was only temporary. And that's kind of where we are right here in this passage of Scripture. But I want us, you know, to see that verse that talks about how God gave us a down payment. He gave us the Holy Spirit. That's the verse I want you to see. Here it says, and the one prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. Now, you may have thought that I was going to talk about the Holy Spirit as far as that's concerned. That's not the word I want you to see. I want you to see the word for this, or the phrase, for this very purpose. We are to live purposeful lives. We are to, to live lives on purpose. The NIV calls it, it says, who fashioned us for this very purpose. So I started snooping around. I started looking at different scriptures. I, I, I typed in purpose purpose. Uh, in my concordance, and, and it was amazing. Uh, it talked about Moses. Moses leading the children of Israel, that God had picked him for that very purpose. It talked about King David, that when he had fulfilled his purpose, it was kind of interesting uh, that it used that kind of phrasing. And even though it doesn't necessarily mention it, I thought of Noah. And I thought of others like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I thought about the purpose that they fulfilled, not only in Scripture, but, but as we go through and, and really ultimately as it, as it affects you. You hear me talk about this all the time. There are times when, when it just seems that, that God's purpose is going to disappear, that nothing's going to happen, that, that it's going to die. And yet there's a thread that goes all the way through, and these people all are ones who fulfilled that purpose. But there's a dire scripture talking about not fulfilling one's purpose. In Luke 7, 30, it says, But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose because they had not been baptized by John. And again, I started thinking, what happens when we reject God's purpose? And I've heard people say, well, yeah, God has a purpose for your life, but he doesn't have a specific purpose in your life. I I think I disagree with that. I think he has something for you to do. I think he has a specific purpose for you to accomplish. And I would hate for us to get to the point in our lives where we rejected God's purpose for our lives. So the question comes: What is our purpose? Well, we've talked about uh, transforming. That's what the whole year is, and and uh, and the question has to come: Transforming to what? Well, in Second Corinthians chapter three and verse eighteen. We've talked about this already. We all with unveiled faces. And by the way, unveiled faces, do you remember? You know what that's a reference to? You remember uh, when Moses would go up on the mountain, converse with God, he'd come back down and his face would glow. And the children of Israel were like, no, 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 no. You, you can't just come down and we can't look at you. You need to put a veil on your face. What happens when we're in God's presence? Is that our faces will glow? I'm not sure they'll glow like Moses's, but people will see a difference. Let me let me tell you just a quick quick story. This isn't even in my notes, but uh, I just thought of this. I remember when I went to Russia. I had a a, a, a roommate who was Russian. He was a uh, he's become a doctor, and he works uh, with very famous. Uh, a program, and I forget. It's so famous, I've forgotten what it is. Um, but I was asking him, Eugene, how, how can people tell I'm American? And I still remember he said, look at you. He said, look at how you're dressed. But he said, you have an open face. He says, we, we Russians, things are very sad and very bad but you have an open face. And I'm thinking maybe that's what we need to be looking for, is to have open faces. That's our purpose right there as we look at this. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And this is from the Lord Who is the Spirit? He says we are transforming and becoming more and more like Jesus. In his book, Not a Fan, uh, some of you have read it, Kyle Eidelman, he gives a great definition. And I think uh, into what it looks like, I, you know, it's 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 what we're to to become. It's 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 the definition of who we are. And it's seemingly harsh in some ways, but I believe it's an accurate description. Jesus, as he was uh, teaching his disciples, he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He said, you must deny yourself. You must Say no to yourself and yes to Jesus. There are times when, and, and it's interesting, and I've heard people say, you know, the cross is when our will and Jesus' will, they intersect and they collide and they contradict. And he says no, and in those cases, that's when we follow Jesus' will. Take up your cross. A cross is for dying. A cross is... Is, is, a, is a terrible form of execution. He says, I want you to die. Not necessarily literally, if we have to, yes. But he said, I want your will to die and it becomes mine. And it's interesting because Luke uses, he's the only one that does this, you've heard me say it. He says, do this daily. Well, soon after that we have three who wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus gives them a reality check if you look in Luke chapter 9 starting in verse 50 57 as they were traveling along the road someone said to him I will follow you wherever you go Jesus told him foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests But the son of man has no place to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me, Lord. He said, let me first go bury my father. But he told him, let the bed bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now that sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? You know, it's like, come on, Jesus, have a heart here. You know, this guy's dad has died and you won't let him, or or he wants to say goodbye. But I think we need to look closely. Jesus wants his followers to say yes to him before they even know the request a follower of jesus says my answer is yes now where do you want me to go he says wherever did i put that in there whenever i left one out it must be a mistake of someone else because i i didn't do that the first one is wherever You notice the guy said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus' response is kind of an interesting one. He says, foxes have holes and and birds have nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head down. Are we willing to do this? To follow Jesus wherever he says. I remember Buddy Jones. Buddy was a missionary in France for many years and was a friend of my brother. I remember him speaking at the college church in Searcy one time, and he was talking about he wanted to be a missionary so bad. He said he prayed one time, Lord, even if you want me to be a missionary in a wheelchair, I'll do it. And I remember thinking, what a request would I be willing to do that to say I want to follow you regardless and if I have to be in a wheelchair the rest of my life to follow you I will that's the kind of thing that's the kind of plea that Christ is making here I started thinking about Abraham can you imagine Abraham God said I want you to go to a land that I'll show you can you imagine if tomorrow morning You wake up and you look outside and there's a U-Haul truck out front. And you say, what in the world is the u U-Haul truck doing there? And God comes to you and says, I want you to load it up and I'll show you where I'm going to take you. Would you be willing to do that? If God said, I want you to go wherever. I thought about Joseph. I thought about Joseph going from being the preferred brother, ending up in Egypt a long, long ways from where he was found, finding himself in a prison cell. I thought about Isaiah, who said, here am I, send me. You see, part of our transformation is going wherever he wants us to go saying yes now where do you want me to go but the second thing he talked about was whenever lord first let me go bury my father now on the surface this seems very harsh oh you know lord first it's kind of interesting look at it first lord first let me go bury my father The second word he says is what? Lord, first, let me first go bury my father. In other words, Jesus, I want you to, I want to follow you, but first, let me do this. How many times do we do that? How many times do we say, Lord, yeah, I know there's a task, but first, let me do this. Now, there is some speculation that said the guy's father hadn't died yet. And it, it kind of takes the edge off of that a little bit, doesn't it? First, let me go bury my father and let me wait till he dies. And in essence, that makes it even worse, doesn't it? Jesus says, I want to be a priority in your life. Our Together group has been studying the book of Exodus. And if you get there in the early part, you, you read about Moses. an excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. Are you sure I'm the one? Well, who will I say has sent me? What if they don't believe me? Well, you know, I'm not very good at this. And so many times we do the same kind of thing. Lord, I know you want me to do this and you want me to act in a certain way and you want me to be a certain way. But really, you know, I, here's my strength, here's what I do, and I'm not really good. Why don't you pick somebody else? Jesus says, whenever. It's interesting to me, and, I, and, and think about this. When Jesus called... Peter and his brother when Jesus called James and John, what's the Bible say? and immediately they dropped their nets and followed him Now Jim that's just not reasonable it's not reasonable I've got I've got bills to pay and people to, to see and, and things to do. We just had a new year and we all made resolutions or at least some of us did and sometimes following jesus becomes like the new year's resolution yeah this year i'm going to follow him but he says no 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 don't don't do that to me i want to be first jesus says follow me well, I'll follow when I'm better off financially, or I'll follow when my kids get up, or I'll follow when my job allows me, and pretty soon our life is over, or a crisis occurs, and it's then we decide to follow Jesus. But he calls us not tomorrow, but he calls us today. And he says, whatever. The third guy says, let me go to the, say goodbye to those at my house. I read of a, of a baptismal um, ceremony for the Knights Templar. And it, says, it said that they were baptized with their sword, but when they baptized them, they held their sword out of the water. You can have me, but you can't have this. And I wonder sometimes what we hold out of the water. When you decide to follow Jesus in your life, you're not saying... That Jesus is a priority in your life. You're saying that Jesus is the only priority in your life. And I've had people come to me and ask me, Jim, I've got a job offer, but I'm not sure I ought to take it. What do you think I ought to do? Now, I'm not in the, "Don't, don't start coming to me and asking me questions like that, okay? I'm not in the, oh, let me give you advice about that. I think you ought to take that job. I don't think you ought to take this job. What I told this person that came to me, I said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In essence, get your priority straight. If you can serve God in this job, if you can serve God in this condition of your life, serve God in this condition in your life, that's what you need to do. In Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range through the earth to strengthen those hearts that are fully committed to Him. Something that's given new meaning to me and to this passage that's so familiar. And I bet it's familiar to all of you and you've never seen this word before. In Romans 8, 28, oh yeah, we know that one. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord. Read this passage. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. There's that word again. Called according to his purpose. You see, that's what it means to be transformed. That everything in our life becomes the purpose of Jesus. It becomes the reason for our lives. It becomes who we are. It becomes our priority, not our top priority, but our priority. And that's what Jesus calls us to.